Well, you'll remember that we left the disciples in Luke chapter 21, contemplating the destruction of the temple. Now, quite an overwhelming thought. I don't know what it would be like, uh, maybe for us, uh, having just been told that uh, the Houses of Parliament are going to be levelled to the ground, Buckingham Palace uh, uh, raised, no brick left on another. Uh, it's unsettling. Uh, it unnerves us because it exposes our illusion of control. But from here on in the rest of the chapter, having, as it were, sort of unbalanced his disciples, uh, he then begins to to move in a different direction. Not complacency now that Jesus is concerned about, but dealing with issues of fear and trouble. And there's plenty of that around today. You'll see that in verse 7, the disciples ask about timings and signs. They want to know uh, when these things are going to happen and whether there are any uh, signs that they can see that will allow them to predict and give them warning. And the answer that Jesus gives is long and complicated. We can't hope to look at all the detail this morning. Um, what I want to try and do is, is just say a little bit about the general shape of Jesus's answer. Uh, then a few comments about the, the content uh, before rounding off with some thoughts about its relevance for us today. So the general shape of his answer, um, the first thing we need to realise is that Jesus is actually describing two different events uh, in his response. Uh, he is answering their question about the destruction of the temple, uh, but he has something else in view. Not the end of the temple, but the end of history itself. Uh, and it is as though um, in his teaching, the two kind of blend together, partly because one is a sort of scale model of the other. Um, you, you might, I suppose, imagine it like this. Maybe you've been out on a, on a mountain walk and um, up in the distance you, you see uh, the peaks that you're approaching. Uh, and from way back, it looks as if the, the two mountain peaks that you can see are, are side by side uh, and you think that you'll arrive at both of them simultaneously. Uh, but as the day goes on and as you walk closer, you realise that they're actually in completely different places. One is much, much closer than the other. And it's also much, much smaller uh, than the other peak that lies far behind it. Well, it's something uh, of that here. The, the first event, the destruction of the temple, did indeed happen um, only 30 or so years after Jesus spoke these words. And it, and it serves as a scale model of the bigger event that is that is beyond and behind uh, the final judgment that is still to take place. Now, can I just acknowledge that speaking of a final judgment, uh, the idea that, uh, that there'll be a day of reckoning um, is a pretty unpopular idea today. Um, I said earlier, if you predicted a, a global pandemic, uh, you'd be seen a few months ago as an unhinged fanatic. Uh, well, predict a, a final judgment of God uh, and people will view you much the same way uh, in the present day. And that's an odd thing, because in all sorts of ways, all of us are persuaded of the need and the importance of judgment. Um, you, you might think, mightn't you, of um, so many students. Uh, who are greatly troubled right now that all the hard work of the past few years is not or might not going to be judged. 
You know, the, the idea that, that GCSE exams and A-level exams and final exams for university students uh, might not take place uh, is a terrible prospect for them because they want their work to be judged. Um, or think of uh, a different thread. Think in, in New Zealand of the man uh, who has uh, recently uh, pleaded guilty uh, to murdering 51 people at those two mosques. Well, he'll be sentenced later this year. Uh, and we sense that that is right and proper. Uh, we want to see justice done. But th- that desire for uh, for right judgment is everywhere, from the trivial VAR uh, discussions uh, from our football pundits, uh, all the way through to uh, to our six-year-old child who declares with great indignation, it's not fair. We want right judgments. And I wonder if it really is so very surprising. If the God who brought us into being, the, the God who created all things, if that God uh, would not therefore also be a God who wants right judgment as well. If that's the general shape, uh, come with me and look at some of uh, the detail now. Uh, in all sorts of ways, verses 8 through to 24 focus on the nearer of those two events that Jesus is describing, uh, the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And in relation to them, uh, Jesus tells his disciples to be careful. Uh, Be careful, first of all, that you aren't deceived. Uh, That's verses 8 and 9. Don't be deceived by people claiming I am he, uh, claiming that the end is near. Uh, People will come and say that kind of thing. Don't believe them, because the end is not yet. Uh, And then secondly, be careful that you're not disturbed. Uh, That's verses 10 and 11. Because terrible things are going to happen. There'll be wars. uh, There'll be earthquakes. uh, There'll be famines. Uh, And yes, there'll be pestilences, plagues. There'll be pandemics, like the one that we're enduring at the moment. But Jesus says, don't be shaken by those things. They do have to take place. Next, he says, be careful that you're not discouraged, uh, verses 12 through to 19, by the persecution that you'll have to endure, because the church will be persecuted. The Christian faith will not be popular. Even members of your own family will turn against you and betray you. But Jesus says in verse 19, stand firm and you will win life. And then in that final section, he says, be careful that you're not overwhelmed. That's verses 20 through to 24. Because uh, when the fall of Jerusalem finally comes, it will be utterly terrible. And at that time, don't be overwhelmed, says Jesus, uh, flee the city, find safety in the mountains. It was a very specific instruction, and it was very specifically obeyed. History tells us that in AD 66, Uh, when the Roman armies gathered around Jerusalem uh, in response to a revolt within the city of Jerusalem, the Christians who had heard these words obeyed them. They fled the city. Uh, They hurried to a town called Pella in the Decapolis, up in the mountains. And they, they therefore survived the massacre that took place. The chapter works in these two halves. And because Jesus was, was right about the first event in his prediction of the fall of Jerusalem in all this detail, 
that's good grounds, isn't it? To be confident that we can also trust Jesus when he speaks about the more distant event. And the fall of Jerusalem is, as I said earlier, it's a scale model of the real thing, of the much bigger thing, which is the judgment of the whole earth. And so these warnings to the disciples in relation to the fall of Jerusalem, well, they have relevance to us as we approach uh, the bigger thing, the final judgment. Uh, And it's to that that Jesus now turns. Um, And that's why we can see that in verse 25, he's not talking about local events anymore, but cosmic ones. See that verse 25? There will be signs in the sun, moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Uh, Cosmic events, signalling, heralding at the final end of the age. And the central event of that is, Jesus says, his own return. Verse 27, at that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. And and to that event, um, notice uh, two different um, reactions are described. In verse 26, uh, some people fall to the ground, that they faint with abject terror. But then in verse 28, others are told to stand up, lift up their heads. Strikingly different reactions to to the same dramatic events. Uh, Why so different? Well, simply because one group are meeting their judge, uh, while the other group, well, they are greeting their saviour. Well, that moves us to our final section where we think about our response uh, to this teaching from Jesus. Uh, And to consider that, I I want to go slightly beyond our our reading. We ended in verse 33. Let me just read on uh, for a couple of verses from verse 34 of Luke 21. Uh, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. You remember where we began with security, complacency, the illusion of control. Well, COVID-19 has undone all of that for us. Uh, But Jesus here is telling us that it's not COVID-19 that should be our greatest concern. Uh, For he'd have us know that there is a a bigger mountain peak approaching. And because of that, an urgency to be ready. Did you see how that tone is struck again and again in our passage? Uh, Verse 8, Jesus says, watch out. Then stand firm, verse 19. Be careful. Verse 34, be always on the watch. Verse 36, it's as though Jesus is saying in the face of of all of these things that that could trouble you, is troubling you, gaze past them to see the still greater events that lie ahead. Set your focus on them. And I think Jesus would have us know that All sorts of issues are in danger of of dragging us away from keeping our focus upon him and upon his return. Sometimes that can be uh, our material wealth, 
uh, all of the things that capture our attention. Uh, just the enjoyments of life. That's the carousing and the drunkenness of verse 34. Uh, we know that it's possible for, for all of the material stuff of our world uh, to dominate us, uh, even to numb us to spiritual realities. And Jesus says, don't let that happen. He also says, don't be weighed down by the anxieties of life either. I guess in our current climate, that might be translated by don't allow health concerns to, to so fill your head that there's no room for anything else. Because if, if every waking hour is consumed by thoughts of hand washing and social distancing and, and the supply of toilet rolls or whatever it is, and we're just preoccupied with that, uh, no room for the still bigger issues. Yes, it's right to take precautions, but don't let that dominate you so that you lose sight of the bigger things. Because when we do that, when we allow ourselves to be preoccupied by the troubles and concerns of this life, Jesus says that the judgment that is certain can be overlooked. And that can mean that, verse 34, it can come upon us suddenly like a trap. And instead, what Jesus tells us to do in verse 36 is to be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Do you see those two things? Jesus says, escape from all that is about to happen. He's not now thinking about fleeing to the mountains like uh, he told the disciples to do before the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, the escape that we need uh, is the refuge that Jesus provides for us. That's our only hope uh, in the face of his return and the final judgment. It's not that we can claim our righteousness, but that we receive his. His death in our place, uh, his life for ours. That's what enables us to be able to stand before the Son of Man. It's been said that the focus of our prayers reveals the priorities of our hearts. And I guess that means that if at present we find ourselves praying mostly about our physical health, our physical well-being, and not very much, if at all, praying about our spiritual health and our spiritual well-being, then, then maybe we need this wake-up call from Jesus to heed his warning, to be on the watch and to pray new prayers instead. Prayers about the, the really big things that we and all our world faces. It's a strange thing, isn't it, um, that all of this is happening to us in spring. Uh, when they make uh, those uh, apocalyptic disaster movies, uh, they're always filmed in, uh, in grey tones, dark, foreboding. Uh, but here we are, um, facing the greatest health threat of a generation, surrounded by the sunny colours of springtime. Yet, I'm not sure Jesus would find it quite so odd. Uh, at least not if his parable in verse 29 is anything to go by. Look at the fig trees and all the trees, he says. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. 
Don't you love spring? Don't you love the anticipation of the summer that lies ahead? After a, a long winter, uh, you see the flowers coming out, the buds on the tree, and you know that summer's just around the corner, that the promise of it is lovely. And I think Jesus uses this image here uh, to help us to see that for the believer, the promise of his return is lovely. That's why believers are encouraged in verse 28, even in the midst of trouble, to stand up, lift up their heads and remember that their redemption is drawing near. It's a good thing that Jesus is going to return. It's a glorious thing. It's a great prospect because he brings in a kingdom where all trouble, all evil, all suffering and all death is finally and absolutely set aside. And in its place, only good, only blessing, the best of communities, the greatest of joys. And just as the sprouting leaves tell us that summer's just around the corner, so even all of this trouble that we find ourselves facing at the moment should be a reminder to us that the new heavens and the new earth are certainly coming. In that, there is much to rejoice in. Uh, let me lead us in a prayer before we sing a final song. Our gracious God, we find ourselves uh, in uh, an age uh, of trouble that we had not anticipated, uh, trouble that uh, can so easily lead us uh, to feel disturbed and unsettled. And we thank you for the teaching of the Lord Jesus here uh, that presses upon us uh, to gaze past our, our present trouble and to uh, set our sights uh, on the still greater things that lie ahead, uh, to be ready for that, to be ready for Christ's return, uh, to, to, to stand upon the rock that is Christ so that we will be able to stand uh, on that last day of judgment, that we'll be able to stand before the Son of Man. Thank you that you provide for us in that way uh, and help us uh, where so many things press upon us. Uh, to keep our eyes uh, on Christ. Uh, for he alone uh, is our salvation. Amen.